EdTech Mondays Kenya is supported by the MasterCard Foundation Center for Innovative Teaching and Learning in partnership with EdTech East Africa. I hope you're as excited as we are to delve deeper into our topic for the October 2023 edition of the EdTech Mondays Kenya, which is building digital tools that empower teachers that we started at this year's Kenya EdTech Summit. During the dynamic atmosphere of the summit, we engage with a diverse range of EdTech ecosystem stakeholders who share their unique and insightful perspectives on our topic for today. So the goal of the summit is to bring together the diverse ecosystem members to actually have a shared conversation around the work that they're doing, the latest evidence in EdTech, hot topics and trends, and then also what it really takes to make EdTech work in our context here in Kenya. So one of the things that we heard from our participants in the 2022 summit was they wanted to have more teacher, more learner, more school leader voices incorporated into the conversations we're having. So we really took that to heart. We know that it's really important to have those voices incorporated early into the design process so that we actually understand who it is we're building EdTech solutions for. I want to particularly call out how a convening like this brings together educators, especially teachers and the EdTech companies to come and sit and kind of for the EdTech companies to understand the level or technology aptitude teachers have and how their solutions can fit within those, but also how to enhance teachers' learning abilities of adopting to technology in the classroom. I think it's also very good for the EdTech community to understand what are those pain points that teachers go through? Where do they seek help in improving learning outcomes given the various uh, circumstances and conditions in the Kenyan classroom? And how does technology help bridge that? We bring in on-demand assessment solutions into the classroom where you're able to track the progress of the learner and uh, track uh, their performance. The teacher has the opportunity to create their own questions, but we also provide them a question bank that's already inbuilt and uh, they are able to assess the learner anytime, anywhere with whatever gadget. So our system is web-based. This is the daily practice for teachers and making it easier for them uh, to do their job. Also now we can begin to expect realistic, to have realistic expectations because they have a lot of uh, workload that they have to work on and produce a lot of paperwork, which a lot of the time uh, they don't do it or they don't do it as well as they should. And so creating a forum where they're able to do their jobs uh, really well. And then you have now this visibility of what's going on in the classrooms. They can tell uh, outcomes at a formative level. When creating these tools for the teachers, one of the things that need to be considered is the relevance to the syllabus. The CBC syllabus usually has other supporting documents like the textbooks that are used by the teachers. So if they consider what is already in the curriculum, then it can be a good way of ensuring that uh, these resources are used in collaboration with other already existing resources. Carrying forward from the momentum of the summit, we have the opportunity to have an in-depth discussion with our esteemed panel. We seek to connect the dots, bridging the gap between concept and reality, looking closely at what it really takes to create digital tools that enhance, empower, and elevate the teaching experience. 
all from a uniquely Kenyan perspective. As we explore building digital tools that empower teachers, to those watching today we ask, what can be done to improve digital tools for teachers in Kenya that will lead to better learning outcomes? Please share your thoughts with us on Twitter using the hashtag EdTechMondays. But before we dive into our thought-provoking questions, let's meet our panelists. Steven Ahura, a teacher from Kenya High School. Frida Ngari, the co-founder and COO of Ntemata. And Tabitha Wairumu Ngugi, the learning science manager at IHAM. Our sign language interpreter is Rosa Mono. So thank you very much for joining us today. And I think I'd just like to start off by asking you to tell us a little bit more about yourselves and what it is you do at your respective organizations. We could start with you, Tabitha. So like you said, I'm Tabitha Ngugi and I work um, as a learning science expert at iHub. That's just a fancy way of saying that I work with the innovators and the product guys to ensure that um, these fancy tech things that they are creating are actually targeting learning outcomes. So the education part of the ed tech that's my thing. I'm Steven Ahura. I'm a chemistry teacher and uh, currently teaching at the Kenya High School. I also have uh, been a content creator, digital content. I've made some chemistry content uh, that is uh, running on one of the um, edtech companies that is run by Zeraki. My name is Frida Ngari. I'm the co-founder and COO of Ntemata, uh, uh, which is one of our a flagship product for Firefly Etech Solutions. We began in 2018 and uh, have been working on solving problems for teachers in the classroom. And our main focus is assessment because we realize the greatest challenge that the teacher has is uh, marking. My team and I at uh, Entemata uh, have been working to make sure that that problem is solved. And so we launched Ntemata one year ago. And uh, yeah, so far, so good. So maybe I could start with asking you a question about, you know, what do you think uh, is the single most important factor to making sure that the digital tools that are created for teachers are effective and impactful in the work that they do? Since 2018, our research has mainly been on supporting the teacher. And uh, the, the teachers struggle with digital tools their motivation, building their confidence with digital skills and literacy, and uh, easing their time so that they are able to apply technology that is increasing in all the industries, but is not yet being taken up in the education system or in our education curriculums. For me, the most important thing is that the teacher's capacity is built very well to fit with the fourth industrial revolution and uh, the 21st century skills that every learner should have before they go into the market. And what about you, Tabitha? Again, from an accelerator perspective, what are you seeing as some of the key drivers to make sure that these tools actually meet the needs of the teachers? For us, the, the tech part is exciting, but the tech is just the vehicle through which we are trying to drive um, education and impact, make an impact on learning outcomes. And so for a lot of the these guys, when they are creating the products, very tech focused and, and with good reason. I mean, it's not easy to get them to where they've gotten to. But for us now, it's for, the, for us to say, at what point do you bring the teacher in? So for us, it's integral that the teacher is part of the conversation from the beginning, not just as a user when you, you feel like you're done with it and you've, you've gotten sort of a product market fit. And then at that point, you're asking the teacher, what do you need? But the key thing is to ask um, 
at what point did you bring the teacher in? Does the teacher feel like you're actually addressing problems they have? Or are you going off assumptions at this point? So um, we, we feel like the teacher is a very integral uh, piece of this pie and they need to always be in the conversation, whether as a user, whether as the testing phase, at whatever point you're at, um, in the accelerator program or as a startup, the teacher needs to be there from the beginning. Keep asking, keep getting feedback so that um, you're not finding out at the end, at six, six months or one year later that the thing you created the teacher did not need to begin with. Stephen, I'd like to come back to you and maybe ask you from your perspective as a teacher, what are some of the successes and also maybe some of the challenges you've experienced when deploying, you know, edtech or digital tools in the work that you do uh, within the learning environment? I have actually had some uh, successes in the digital field. You'll find that uh, whenever you are trying to use technology in, their, in your normal lessons, the students become more and more engaged. They are even more, I can say, they understand better and uh, they participate more in the lesson. So you'll find that uh, digital incorporation in the teaching, it like breaks the monotony of uh, usually the whiteboard and the normal things that we always do. So it brings and arouses their, their curiosity. That's something I've heard time and again on this show when we have other conversations that whenever the technology is presented or becomes an avenue for learning, there's just a lot more interest and involvement. And I think that's a perfect segue uh, to come back to you, Frida. You know, you're in the space of actually developing these solutions, working with teachers, working with organizations like the IHUB. Um, what are some of the criteria that you use to sort of determine um, the priority areas in the user experience, the features, the functionalities that create a tool that actually works for both the teachers and the learners? For us, from the onset, we realize that because it, we are solving a problem for the teacher, you have to involve the teacher. And why do you involve the teacher? It's because the teacher is a driver for learning. So where we did our own research, did extensive research uh, from 2019, uh, 2000 was a COVID time, and so many teachers were using different tools and having very many challenges in 2020. And then 2021, now it was clear that this needs to, uh, the, the teacher needs to be part of the research process. And then there was also college teachers, university teachers, who are able to explain different features, how they should look like, what will improve this, and uh, this, this student, what will make them better, and then get away from the old way we have been, te we have been teaching and assessing a learner, which is multiple choice, where you move them away from cramming <laughs> for the exam. Yeah? But when you're out here, yes, you have an A, but when I ask you to do a skill, you're not able to uh, actually uh, actualize that skill. So like, let this person be holistically assessed or holistically taught, have a full authentic learning experience. Yeah? So whether they're sitting for a national exam, which is just a one-time examination, or they in their daily lives, they're able to excel. David, I'd like to come back to you again, mm -hmm. uh, maybe asking about IHUB and the IHUB perspective in terms of what sort of criteria do you look at when you're pitching one of the edtech solutions or one of the organizations that you work with to teachers in terms of 
their propositions that they develop with you? First of all is to say we, we are not trying to leave any learners out by this I mean so accessibility inclusivity. If you have a product does it work the same way in Kibira as it does in Karen? So you need, and if it doesn't, then what are you doing to ensure that um, all the learners, irrespective of where they come from, um, are getting the same level of support within your product? Um, and, and that's how really we target the learning outcomes. So there's that aspect, but there's also which uh, content quality, which you care a lot about, is a, um, what she's talking about. So away from the, the, the curriculum as it exists, uh, what are you doing differently to help the teacher um, address uh, learning gaps in the classroom. So if, if they're struggling with assessment, for example, how innovative are you while you work within uh, what KCD has said you should stick within as, as, as guidelines? What else are you doing? How are you empowering the teacher so that the learner that struggled to learn a science lesson in biology, that um, your product has a place that the teacher can just point the kids to and they can go and then um, address that learning gap very quickly and then reassess and ensure that they're matching the everyone else in class so for us um it's it's a few things it's content quality it's accessibility it's innovation as well because we are not trying to take the textbook from paper to tech that's not the point of this the point is for us to to revolutionize the way learning is happening and to personalize that experience as well so those um some of the few things we look at there's also um things like interoperability so are you is your tech able to integrate with other people's tech so that everyone is not working in silos and replicating the same exact thing and nobody is actually checking that these things can uh, work together so those for us are some of the wins where we are seeing these guys collaborate and actually target learning outcomes where the kid uh, didn't like science before and now they, they, they're, they're enjoying it with funky science but also the teacher is able to assess that it's not just fun for the sake of it that there's actually learning taking place. Yeah actually uh, to add on that uh, during the COVID pandemic we found out that uh, the students were at home for a very long time and uh, many different schools uh, tried different things in tech uh, like having the, the Zoom lessons and uh, also maybe online online examinations. Now, one of the greatest challenges that we had at that time was how do we administer an assessment or an exam to all the students who are all over the country? There are some who are in places where they can access internet easily, but there are some who are in marginalized areas and it's very difficult to access. So that one was a really great challenge. And uh, if you find a solution in EdTech, like uh, the one you're saying is on assessment, it would really help in bridging that gap. What we did in our own way, we decided that we would send the exams to the parents and the parents would uh, actually now become the administrators of the exam, then they would give us the results later on. And actually that brings me to the next question, which is for you, Stephen. What are the ways that, you know, when you think about edtech uh, solutions within the Kenyan classroom, what are some of the customizations or uh, refinements as it were are needed to make it really work in that environment in a way that is relevant. Yeah, because what I've seen in the market is that you have you know, locally developed solutions, you have international ones, some are not very relevant to Kenya. But within the Kenyan classroom, how, what are the things that we need to think about when we're customizing them or making them for the local classroom? One of the things about our education system is that we have a very big disparity. We have, uh, well, let me say, the schools that have a lot of resources and they can easily access the edtech tools. And we have others that are really struggling. They, they may not even have uh, internet connection. 
So the greatest thing that would bridge that gap is if we developed a solution that can be both online and offline. So that the learners who are in, a, in an urban area, for example, they are able to access the internet, they are able to access computers, they can use the online version. But then the students who are in the marginalized areas, they may not be able to do that. So we can have an offline, say, a offline solution. Most of the tech solutions we have now, they are online. And uh, you wouldn't be able to access them when you are offline. So if you have an online version and an offline version, that one can really help to reach out to the great, the ones who are far-flung areas like uh, the marginalized areas. Tabitha, how do we make sure that the digital tools are culturally relevant uh, for our stakeholders? So I'll be honest, it's a difficult question to answer because it's also an expensive thing to try and execute. Um, so take them, for example, or even someone uh, who's providing content. We try as much as we can to say, for example, uh, if you're giving examples of um, things that people have at home, um, say with a science experiment, let me use that as an example. So you'll find that the, the, the example I used earlier, Funky Science, we went to um, a school the other day um, in the slums. And so they, the way they're used to doing it is when they say skewer and vinegar and use all these words, where they do it in private schools, those kids know exactly what, what to do next. They're, you know, like they understand what's happening. These kids, on the other hand, when you're doing an experiment that has to do with blowing up Coca-Cola, just to show a science uh, a concept in science, they're also struggling with, so we just, you just poured all that Coke to teach me something. Uh, please make, yeah. So for us, it's also trying to get the founders and the innovators to understand the different contexts and see what they can do to um, ensure that their product is taking in or is allowing for the person, the facilitator or the instructor to um, customize it to, to the ground, as we say. So it's, it's a difficult conversation to have, but it's one that has to be had because um, we are still very, very far from that conversation in this country. So we still have to have those solutions because we are not far enough in terms of technology and infrastructure to say that kids um, are at the point where they scan QR codes to learn. We, we have so many issues that we're grappling with on the ground that we still, uh, would, we would leave too many kids behind if we were still thinking best case scenario, which is what, what, isn't what is happening on the ground right now. So what I'm hearing is the appropriate solutions for the level of the market, the level of the country and so forth. Coming back to you again, how do you balance teaching through a traditional way and using digital tools at the same time? How do you bring those two together in your work? Okay, I would say that uh, it, it actually goes down to planning. Because uh, before I go into a lesson and start teaching chemistry, I have to think of uh, what am I going to do so that these students can understand this concept. Because you see, the concept may be so simple for me because I've done it over and over, but for them it's a whole new thing. So it's all about the planning. So I might plan and say that uh, this time, this one is best, used, uh, is best learned using uh, maybe a video. For example, uh, one of the things that uh, when you're learning in, uh, in chemistry, you have uh, is one of these industrial processes. Uh, the students may not have ever gone to any of these industries. And then uh, when you try to explain to them how the industry is working, they see it as a whole new thing and they cannot even understand it easily. So if you bring in a video that shows the industry working and how the things are converted from one to another to the end product, then they will understand. So it's all about the planning. 
And of course, you may not really need to use the technology all the time because uh, you'll find that sometimes when you use technology too much, the students become more passive and uh, you'll find they zone out. Uh, as uh, some, of the, some of the things that you find in, uh, in social media, they are really, the videos are getting shorter and shorter. So the attention spans of the students are also getting affected in that case. So you'll find you will need to balance between the technology and the traditional ways. Yeah, so it is, a, it is a, a, a quite a difficult or a delicate balance because you'll find if you use one too much, then there's always an advantage and a disadvantage. So the planning of the lesson is usually the key thing in using the technology. And uh, to add on that, you'll find that uh, one of the students, uh, some of the things that we usually do at our school is we have some exchange programs. So we had a few students coming in from, from Denmark and their teachers. And uh, when they entered into our classrooms where we're using just uh, the chalkboard or the whiteboard, they were so amazed because for them, they're used to having their laptops every day and all the assignments on the laptops. Then the teachers told me that one of the things they're trying to now fight with at their high level of uh, technology is they're trying to bring the students back into writing with pen and paper because they realized if you write with pen and paper, it brings in more retention and they have more engagement with the content. So there is actually have to be a balance. You give them the technology a little bit, then you go back down to the pen and paper so that they have, these, uh, they have the skills to handle the technology, but they can still work without the technology because you never know where they end up in the end. So what if a student has always been learning with the technology and then they are sent into maybe a very remote area, like in uh, maybe Turkana, where technology is not that much. You see, they'll, have to, they'll struggle a lot. So we have to bring that balance between technology and the normal way of uh, pen and paper. Lastly, Frida, I'd like to ask you, how do you stay ahead of the curve? How do you make sure that your solutions are current, relevant, modern, if it were, to always be up to date with the market and obviously with the requirements of the teachers and the learners? In our case, we used uh, universal design for learning, where a teacher is able to pick the teacher and the learner should be able to engage in multiple ways. Uh, is mentioned balancing both pen and paper and, uh, and using video. So our system allows you to upload your written work, which is the teacher can be able to read. You also are able to, when you're at home and you're, you've been given a task to do by the teacher, uh, record it on your phone and then save, send it to the teacher to mark. So, so you can send a video, a file, or, a, or an audio. You can also design graphs. You can design, uh, you can draw different things in our system. Our national values, our CBC values or curriculum values have to be embedded in, the system, in, in what you are creating. So we have the knowledge, acquisition of knowledge, then acquisition of good values, the attitudes that you should have as an individual or, and, and also the abilities. So those we have put in. So the different ways you assess a learner or train them, and then the, the way they express themselves, allow the, both the teacher and the student to express themselves well in the, while they are learning. When you go into the classroom, you have different people who have different uh, difficulties of learning. 
So you need to identify how fast is this student, how slow is this student, and how do I make sure that by the end of the term, everyone has caught up. I would say that's a, that's a way we can improve the future of, of, our, of our education system and embrace. So you have a collaboration uh, and an agreement between the teacher, the parent, and the student on when they need digital tools and when they need to uh, more interactive activities yeah, in the classroom and back at home or off class. To add on that, huh? um, we actually some of the things you mentioned, uh, some of the things that we do every day, you'll find that uh, with the current 100% uh, transition and then we have the numbers of students increasing in class, you would find that uh, something like 20 years ago, classrooms were about 40 per student. And then now you're finding that we have 60 students per classroom you realize that uh, that number is big. And uh, the, the, the evaluation is also a challenge because for you to go through each and every student's work, that one is, is a lot of time. So with the technology, it can actually make the work easier because uh, I think uh, the, the solutions can bring a, an easier way of assessing many students at once. And also the peer, peer assessment is also a very powerful tool you'll find that if the students are able to correct themselves, so you take one student and another student, then they check on each other, then they realize which kind of mistakes they could also make and they become smarter. So I think uh, the peer assessment is a very good tool. And uh, if you incorporate such kind of activities in, uh, in the digital platforms, then it will enhance the education system. So Tabitha, Stephen, Frida, thank you so much for sharing today. We're delighted to learn more about what digital tools can be for the teachers in Kenya, and more importantly, the current market or environment that we're seeing in the market today. The discussions from the EdTech Summit and today's session have underscored the significance of collaboration among stakeholders. It's evidence that while technology is a powerful tool, its true potential is realized when it resonates with the real-world needs and aspirations of our teachers and learners here in Kenya. It's important for us to remember while technology is transformative, it's our educators who remain at the heart of this transformation. Together with the right tools and intent, we can shape an educational landscape where every Kenyan learner thrives. Thank you all for joining us today. Please follow more of these insightful conversations on the Mastercard Foundation YouTube channel and the Young Africa Works Facebook page. I'm Moses Kemiparo, and I look forward to seeing you on the next edition of EdTech Mondays Kenya. EdTech Mondays Kenya is supported by the MasterCard Foundation Center for Innovative Teaching and Learning in partnership with EdTech East Africa.